0: Today, we're going to complete the last few verses in chapter 16. The chapter has a lot going on. It opens when Shmuel anoints David in Bethlehem in the midst of his stunned family. And the verse then says that a ruach Hashem passed over David. And in the very next verse, it says that a ruach Hashem departed from Saul and Saul was tormented with the ruach hara, this evil spirit. And it says in the verse also that it was a ruach hara me'et Hashem. So it sounds like anyway, like Saul isn't responsible for his actions. It's a ruach hara Hashem. It's from Hashem. The ruach Elohim left him and the ruach hara took its place. But we looked in the commentaries and with the exception of the Christian commentators who the Barbanel brings that say that Saul was possessed by a demon and he needed an exorcism, but that's their Mishugas, According to the Jewish commentaries, Saul had free choice and his ruach hara was in essence a deep depression brought on by his constant dwelling on his situation. It was triggered by his thoughts, his obsession with the fact that he sinned and is getting punished and the kingdom was going to be ripped away from him. And he was probably going over it in his mind over and over again, thinking, how did I mess this up? Those are the dark thoughts that are bringing on this Ruachara. And we have to remember what makes it so tough for Saul is that he's in his prime. He's the undisputed king and leader of the Jewish people. They obey him. He's running a firm country. He's fighting the enemies on all borders. And that makes it hard for him to fathom that he's on his way out. And so he's mired in a depression that comes and goes. And if this was a Greek tragedy, we'd say that Saul is fighting against his destiny, fighting against fate. But in Tanakh talk, he's fighting against the decree of Hashem. Because what do we mean by destiny or fate? It means that your future is somehow predetermined by some power or authority, well, in Jewish terms, that's Hashem's decree. He's going to lose the kingdom. So he's fighting his destiny, which means he's fighting Hashem's word. And all this is taking a toll on Saul. And his close advisors suggest that he bring in someone to play music for him. That's where he left off in the last year. They suggest that they bring someone to play for him, the kinor, which is a musical instrument, because music brings simcha and joy which is a great way to break out of a depression, right? Simcha is the opposite of depression. And of course, this all proves that Saul's state of mind is his own doing. That is, if we turn to the question, does soul have free will? Is this Ruach Ara somehow forced upon him? Is he accountable for his actions? So we see from this advice that it's all in Saul's head, that the thoughts running around in his head that are driving him mad, they're his thoughts. That's what's triggering this Ruach Ara. If he could change his thoughts somehow and make that switch, Then he can change his mood and his advisors suggest that this can be done through music and we'll see it'll be more than music, but words of prayer and emunah, which will accompany that music. This is what could take him out of his gloom and doom. So let's backtrack to our verses a little bit. Chapter 16, verse 16. One of Saul's servants suggests that he find an ishman again kinor, someone who can play the kinor. What's a kinor? In modern Hebrew, it's a fiddle or a violin. Fiddle around the roof in Hebrew is kanara lagag. But it could also be a harp. Find somebody who can play this instrument. And they suggest to Saul that when he plays for you, you'll feel a lot better. And then in verse 17, Saul agrees. But he adds, bring me someone who plays hetev, metivlin again. Somebody who plays well. So everybody agrees to this idea. And now in verse 18, vayanechad echad And one of the servants suggested, vayomer, and he said, I saw one of the sons of Yishai from Bethlehem. He knows how to play really well. And not only that, he's a gibor chayel, a man of valor. He's an Ishmael milchama. He's a warrior. He's wise and he's prudent. He happens to be very handsome. And the Lord is with him. So the servant is talking here about David Benishai, our hero, David, the son of Jesse. And that's a lot of compliments for David. And for me, the obvious question is, how does this servant know about David? Didn't we learn that David is an outcast, even in his own father's home? We learned in depth how his father kept him estranged. The fact is, when Shmuel came to anoint the son of Jesse, Jesse didn't even consider presenting David before Shmuel. So why now is he so known that this servant really seems to know about him? Not only does David seem to be known now, but he's pretty impressive to boot. He had a servant of Saul. He's going on and on. Lording David as this unbelievable person. Well, it must have been that after Shmuel anointed David, obviously David was no longer the outcast in his home, but he returned to the embrace of his family. After Shmuel poured the oil on him, he's no longer this fake mom's He's no longer this illegitimate son anymore. And you can listen to this Shior a few weeks ago called David the Moabite, which explains all this. Anyway, we see obviously he's returned to the fold into the embrace of his family, and his light is beginning to shine. It's not that the people knew that he was this anointed king whose time will come, but we see here he became known as someone very special, as we see in this verse. Now let's look at the qualities listed here. One, Menagen he's a great musician. Gibor Chail, a man of valor. Ishmael Hama, a warrior. Navon a prudent, bright guy. Yafetor, and very handsome. Yereshem, and he feared the Lord. And of course, you want somebody like that hanging out in the palace, accompanying King Saul. And the Nell has a great perush here where he explains how these qualities usually don't go together in the same person. The Nell explains how David possessed a very rare combination of talents. And he says like this, And it's a wonder. That people who can play instruments and poets and artist types, who are creative people, who have strong imagination. But usually such people are weak in other areas. So the servant says not only was he good at playing, he's an Ishmael Chama, he's a fighter. And that usually doesn't go together with somebody who plays instruments. Usually a guy who plays instruments, he's working on his craft. He's not into war tactics. He's playing the guitar. He's a mellow kind of person. So it usually doesn't go together. But with this David, it does. And the servant described him as Navon Davar. He's prudent. He's very wise. And that's also pretty exceptional. Because most artists and poets, they might be gifted and expressive types, but they're usually not great thinkers. And here David is Navon Davar. He's wise and understanding. He's got Sechel. Whereas most poets and musicians, they're kind of in their own world the fact that he had a keen intellect capable of giving good advice, that's rare for a poet or a musician whose imagination is usually developed more than his intellect. So we see that David possessed a rare combination of talents. And then it says, V'gam ishtor, he's very good looking. "Vagam ze and that's also unusual. Ki al because most artists and poets, they don't look so good. And if they do look good, then they chase after their lusts they chase after women, but this person's not like that. Hashemi Mo, that's the last adjective describing David, that Hashem is with him, he's God-fearing. So all these adjectives used to describe David here in verse 18, by this evid Shaul, by this servant of Saul, the Abarbanel explains here how they don't usually go together. We see that David is really special. He's a great combination of sensitivity, wisdom, bravery, Yeresh And it's kind of interesting we get that description from one of Saul's servants. It's not like the Bible itself is telling us this, but it's through a third person who's letting us know all these great qualities of David. Okay, so Saul is keen to the idea. He's all for it. It says in verse 19, And Saul sent messages to Jesse. And he said, And he said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. Verse 20. So Yishai took a donkey laden with bread and a jug of wine and a goat and and he sent him with David, his son, to Saul. So David doesn't come empty-handed. He's bearing gifts. He's suddenly invited to the king's palace. So sure, he's going to bring some gifts with him. Rabbi Kahana has an interesting take on this. He says the Ishai is a little bit worried because it wasn't long ago. David was anointed. Maybe Saul found out about it. Maybe that's why he's summoning David to the palace. It sure seems like a coincidence, and that's why Yishai is quick to send David off to Saul with a bunch of gifts. The next verse, with David El Shaul, and David came to Saul, Vayamod and he stood before him, which means he's entered into service in the king's home. Veuma ode, and Saul liked him very, very much. seke love, and David became his arms bearer. So that's a tough one because David only later on, after the Goliath story in the next chapter, he becomes this warrior in Saul's army. How could he be now his arms bearer? But that's what Mitzvot David says. He says, He was his weapons bearer. But that doesn't make much sense because in the next chapter in the Goliath story, we see that David's not even in the army. He doesn't seem to have any military experience or anything. So the Barbanel says, what does it mean to no say Literally, it means the carrier of his vessels that we usually translate Nose Kelim as an arms bearer. But Kelim could be any kind of vessel. Maybe he carried instruments for him. Or what other vessels that might have been around? In any case, we see that they've grown very, very close. And Saul sent for Jesse, and he said, Please let David stand before me now, for he has found favor in my eyes. So we see here that not only the soul of David, he's asking permission from Yishai, David's father, that he release his son to be of service to the king. Now, he doesn't have to ask permission. We saw in the Mishpat Melech that Shmuel the prophet gives over when the people ask for a king. And we saw that the king had the authority to take your sons, take your daughters for whatever he needs. But despite the fact that halachically Saul is allowed to just take David without asking, he asks permission because Saul is built that way. He's a humble person in nature. And so he asks Yishai if David could be with him. He doesn't demand it from him. And that's what happened as we see the final verse of the chapter. And whenever that spirit of God, and again, the verse is calling his Ruach his evil spirit, it's being called a Ruach Elokim, a spirit of God. Whenever that spirit was upon Saul, and when David would take up his harp and play, Relief would come to Saul and he'd feel much better. And the Ruach ara, the evil spirit, would depart from him. And so finally, the text is calling it a Ruach ara. The verse is telling it like it is. It's a Ruach ara, an evil spirit. It's not being called a ruach elokim this time, a spirit of God, or a ruach hara meit Hashem. None of that. We end the chapter, we call a spade a spade. And we're calling what Saul has a ruach hara, an evil spirit. And so we finally see clearly from the verse here that this ruach hara didn't come from Hashem, but it came from Saul worrying about his future. Because if this ruach hara was punishment from Hashem, how can it be relieved by playing music? And again, so this ruach hara, this evil spirit, has been called throughout the chapter, ruach elokim. But that's the Lashon Sagi Nahor, where we take the opposite word to describe what's happening. As we said, Saul's depression is a result of him focusing on himself, on his problems, on his worries. And when David plays for him, he removes those worries. And when he removes those worries, the ruachara goes away. Because he's not just playing for him, but he's reciting some of his Psalms probably. And what are those Psalms all about? Psalms is something that soothe you when you're worried. When you have a crisis going on in your life, something difficult to deal with, what does a Jew do? He reads Psalms because Psalms puts everything in perspective. You realize everything's from Hashem and no matter what kind of stuff you're going through, Hashem is orchestrating the world. A kol Tov, Akol Mishamayim. And that's a message that will ease Saul's pain. While he's with David, he puts everything in perspective. He's saying, hey, Akol Mishamayim. He's not focusing anymore on me, me, me and being self-centered. So he's being soothed by the music and also by the words of David. And that's why it says Saul loved David very, very much. We kind of forget that because all we're going to see later on is Saul chasing David down. But at the very beginning, before he became jealous of David, it says, He loved him very much. And you have to see the irony in this or the tragedy in it. Saul is actually with his own two hands, personally bringing David into the king's palace. The guy who's going to replace him, Saul is the one bringing him in. Without knowing it, he's furthering Hashem's agenda, which of course is for David to become the new king. But he can't become the king out of nowhere. He has to get close to the palace first. Hashem works through nature. Everything's derech first. first, he's got to get close to the palace. And that's what's happening now. At the to top of the irony, the only one who can fix Saul's melancholy and his ruach hara, the only one who can do it, it's the guy who's going to replace him. How's that for a literary twist? How's that for a plot in some Greek tragedy? But it's not a Greek tragedy. This is God's Bible. And even the best literature out there, it pales in comparison to the beautiful language of the Bible. The Bible is just on another level. And compared to the Bible, even the best literature reads like a children's book.